Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast, Edric Poon and Company. In this episode, we have someone very special all the way from Australia, and she's the founder of a very, very popular digital magazine, The Honeycombers, as well as Launchpad. Um, it's a community of entrepreneurs building businesses, right, uh, that are a force for good. Chris Edwards, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So what's been happening with you? I mean, uh, it's great. Honeycombers has been going on, uh, you know, Hong Kong, Bali. We got honey kids. We got, uh, uh, sorry, bumps and uh, babies. Yes, yes, yes. That's part of our honey kids. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, Honeycombers has been, uh, yeah, a fantastic journey. Um, we're in our 14th year this year. Yes. Yeah, so we started in 2008, which is such a long time ago in the digital landscape. So yeah, I mean, we started basically the same year I think I got Facebook personally. So um, yeah, it's a long time ago. Tell us more about Launchpad. I mean, you've been doing this digital magazine for again so many years all of a sudden you know launchpad comes up uh, this is one hell of a transition from writing uh publishing all the way to now supporting businesses and growing them for to be a force for good what, what's this all about ah well um i suppose it's uh something that aligns really well with my personal beliefs and goals. And I suppose it was also a bit of a COVID baby. Um, I am a massive oversharer and I'm very generous with um, everything. You know, generosity is just a, a, a value that's really important to me. Um, and so I've always loved helping other people in business. Uh, and Launchpad just gives me a, I suppose, a, a better structure to be able to do it at on scale. But um, yeah, during COVID, I was obviously very much challenged by the environment. Our business went through a really rocky patch. Like we had a couple of months where our revenues dropped by 80%. And uh, yeah, it was really scary as an entrepreneur. And I found my help came from my business community. And I joined a number of communities in Australia. And um, I feel like uh, now what you can get out of a business community digitally is is just so great. And then I recognized that no one was doing this in Asia. So I also thought it was a really great way for honeycombers to be able to support small business. I feel like if you're an entrepreneur and a small business owner, you just, you, you're really invested in helping other um, entrepreneurs and small business owners because you know how hard it is. So there is this lovely community sense of helping each other out and paying it forward because it is a really tough ride. Um, and so, yeah, it was a combination of all these things, but yeah, it just felt really natural and something that, yeah, just aligned perfectly with where I was at and, and what I wanted to do as a person. You know, there are a lot of these uh, mentorship uh, circles that go around, coaching circles, and I would say even business associations, right, or small little niche clubs. Uh, how, what do you do to kind of tell yourself like, hey, this is really different from what it is? I mean, you say that it is a force for good, a business yeah. is for good. Is that the, the, the key so-called attraction or metric that you want to kind of drive uh, using Launchpad? Yeah, <clears throat> yes, I think, I think that's one large part of it. So I feel like probably seeing it more so in Australia than in Asia at the minute, but there is a sweeping change from what consumers want to what business owners want um, to what politicians want. And that is that everyone is getting a lot more considered about our environmental impact and our social impact. But to your point that there are a lot of business community groups, um, I, I totally agree and I have joined a number of them. But I do think there is a new way of doing business and there's a new way of business groups. And, and they're less traditional, less formal, more friendship-focused or kindness-led as opposed to um, corporate, you know, 
formalities or, you know, like very structured processes. And so I don't think there is many entrepreneurial groups. Um, and in fact, I've been told by uh, our members in Singapore and Hong Kong that we are the only ones doing um, entrepreneurial support the way we're doing it. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I know which I know what you're talking about. I've been for a few of them as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't feel well, I don't know, uh, organic, genuine. Yeah, genuine. It just feels yeah. like I have to prove my worth to be part of this group. And, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like I this is my form of contribution, but it feels a little forced. Yeah, exactly. And I remember attending a community group in Singapore where you had to stand up in front of the group and give a two-minute um, spiel about yourself and, and then go around and hand out your business cards. And it's just... It's just uncomfortable, you know, mm. like I, I'm an extrovert. Heaven help me for the introverts in the room, you know, like, uh, but yeah, I just did not feel like I belonged. I also found them very, um, you know, even like what people wore, very formal, you know, like very corporate. But yeah, I, I, I'm really excited by, um, I suppose, the, the, what we're creating it's it's a real energy it's a real buzz so yeah it's um it, and, and it is really transformational you know like we have members who who've joined for eight weeks or 12 weeks and they're just reaching out saying what a significant impact it's been on them as a person and on their business so yeah it's really cool that's <laughs> yeah, that's really amazing you know that you can support them not just in the business side but on the personal growth aspect of things and these two really have to match up very very well uh if, if any if one piece falls the other can as well but again yeah. it's still on the personal end that that needs to be strengthened uh honed uh improved at each time you know, now that you also provide all this mentorship guidance from your own personal experience, right? Uh, help me out here. Uh, every episode, I keep telling people, Edric loves freebies. Now, I, I want a freebie here. How did you, from your experience of Honeycombers, develop an audience? Because I need to do mine. Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, and, and look, the key to Honeycombers success has been that we have created this enormous audience. So we have a million unique visitors in Singapore alone. So, um, and they're visiting every month. So often we'll have a, a million pages read every week. Um, so it, it, you know, I do think it, it's been a combination, but the one I always think of, you need to focus on one strategy and really nail it um, and then maybe add in two more. But our core strategy has been SEO. Um, and so uh, when you are Googling um, things to do on the weekend or best restaurant in Singapore, we are pretty much the top <laughs> or the second. Um, and we are really focused on there's probably about 400 search terms that we're really focused on and that delivers us a lot of traffic. And we have constantly been trying um, to build up other avenues, but yeah, 80% of our audience comes from SEO and then 20% comes from newsletters and um, social media. So we're getting a really large audience at the minute on TikTok, um, which is, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. And the same with Reels on Instagram. It's going really well. But I think it, it really depends on, what is your content niche? And with SEO, it, it works if there is a need, an, an intentional need or, or that your consumer is intentionally searching for. Um, but yeah, we basically didn't know SEO was going to be our backbone until we hired someone who just went, oh, it was really hilarious actually. They just went, you have no idea what you're doing wrong here, but let me show you. <laughs> and, and she was a weapon. She basically just totally redid our content. And it took her about four weeks of just her and another editor re-editing and optimizing the content for SEO. Um, and then we did some training with uh, some really smart SEO people. And yeah, so it's all done in-house. Like there's no magic hat with seo it's just it there's a process and it's quite you know it's not difficult to learn 
but there's there's a lot of um, things you need to do to get your SEO right. But it also helps that my sites are so old. So you know that that's a that's a really big advantage when it comes to SEO. Mm, it's true, and I love the fact that you were so open to embrace it. You know, um, the the thing is, I mean, we were talking about this off air previously, right? Uh, about self awareness, how how company leaders, the more successful ones, are actually actually much more self-aware uh, than those who are just getting into the business or really completely oblivious to things. And you were willing to just embrace the change rather than go, no, 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 no. Publishing is supposed to be like this. It's set in stone <laughs> the way Moses intended it to be, you know, and it is what it is. But Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think um, it, it's helpful to not be... Um, stuck and to so I, I definitely love change and I love um new things so that that definitely helps how do you deal with the chaos though I mean there's constantly new <laughs> things coming in all the time how do you manage that like okay I, I, I had a very nice conversation with uh, Rebecca previously you know from uh, Vixia and she mentioned uh, we, we were just talking about the differences between men and women's brains and uh, she, uh, I mean, I, I believe that men have uh, are able to compartmentalize things quite easily. So the way she put it was that what her friend said was men's brains are like waffles. Go straight, turn, go straight, turn, go straight and turn. Women's brains are like a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, okay. So what do you think about that when it comes to managing the chaos? Well, um, that's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, um, I don't mind chaos. I think I, I quite enjoy. I actually don't like structure. I, mm. I, I yeah, I, I'm a creative at heart, and I'm an ideas person. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm definitely spaghetti for sure. But my team really helped. Uh, me and we have processes in place that help me not be um you know I suppose too difficult to work for <laughs> in that um yeah like I'm constantly you know running off on the new idea um so you know we we basically what we do is we set ourselves um a very clear three-month um set of goals and there's usually about 10 goals for that that quarter and that allows me to not change course for three months um mm. and you know or if i do i have to do it quietly <laughs> 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 but yeah no it's it's um yeah it, I, yeah i love change do you openly communicate this with your teams i mean they have oh, to yeah. deal with it right yeah 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 yeah, totally. I mean, I and you know, I just um yeah, yeah, absolutely. We talk about it in in lots of our meetings, but um and I think it's, you know, it's I suppose getting to a certain age and having that self-awareness. But uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Now, I want to I want to just go back to um when you actually started your business. I mean, previously you had mentioned uh you were working for a a publishing firm right uh at the same time what was that first hustle that you went hey i could really do this on my own um yeah that's a really good question I, it wasn't really a straight line i was working for a publishing firm i wasn't super happy in my job i found it really challenging i had um yeah it, it, it wasn't a happy time my husband was like please please quit your job and I was like no I'm not a quitter I'll be fine he's like you need to quit the job <laughs> and anyway then actually some entrepreneurs that I knew from Australia approached me and said will you join our startup uh come in as an equity partner so it was really them that that like pulled me out of um corporate and and said made it easier to join and become an entrepreneur. Um, and then within the first 12 months of that business, they, they all wanted to leave the business and do different things. So I was kind of, yeah, it was a, it was a happy accident. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it, I mean, it's never really that easy, is it, just to quit your corporate job, especially when you're used to earning good money that comes regularly, <laughs> a monthly paycheck 
to leap into entrepreneurialism. It's, it's usually a pretty big leap. It is, it is. And what made you, okay, this is one question that I love to ask. And when you're standing at the edge of the cliff and you, do you jump? Did somebody push you or did you just decide that, uh, you know, I just need to do it? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think it was probably more that I, I really wanted to do it. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it was a long time ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, it's time um, to uh, reflect on it with me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I think it was, I think it was a bit of push and a bit of pull. I think it was a combination. And I think, I think, honestly, I kind of deep down knew I was always going to have my own business. So it was just a matter of when. Yeah. Like, how, how did you know? Um, premonition? <laughs> um, I, think, I think I was, um, I suppose, really, uh, what's the word when you're, you're surrounded by it? Um, uh, I think it was cultural in that my parents had their own business and yeah, they had a re- they have a really great life and they have a really lovely life of freedom because they don't work for any- anyone else. So, um, yeah, I think I've always been attracted to that. Were there any other push factors that you go, Hey, is this really cemented? You know, it's, it's one of those things that you could say it's, um, whether it's divine, whether or not it's some 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 other signs, right, that the universe is telling you, uh, then you start following the breadcrumbs or walk the yellow brick road. What were those signs for you? Um, what were those signs? Um, I think I think uh, I think I was really interested in the digital space. So you know, when I started my business, when I first left publishing, I was working on digital content. And I think I could see that this was a pretty exciting space to be publishing content on websites and monetizing it like a magazine without printing. So I I just thought it made a lot of sense. And I also saw the trend in the States of these city guides that were, you know, exploding. Uh, And it seemed not only um, relatively easy to do, but something that uh, I really enjoy doing, you know, so um, writing about great new restaurants or the latest shops or best hotels, like it was like creating your own dream job. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was very attractive. Um, and, and I suppose I didn't know for probably the first two years whether it was going to work. So there was a long time of, well, it seems okay and, you know, the numbers keep going up and I was out, you know, getting advertising contracts. Mind you, they were like 200 or $400. They were tiny little contracts. Um, but the feedback was good. You know, people believed in, it, in the product and, and enjoyed what I was producing. So, yeah, it was, it was a big gamble. But I was also in a position where... Um, I could take the risk, you know, I was, um, I suppose, uh, in a, in a, yeah, in a comfortable position, I was married and my husband was supporting me at the time. So yeah, I was in this really fortunate position. That's great. And, um, you actually told, we mentioned something about, uh, I don't know if you're a superstitious person, but it's got something to do with a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do believe in fortune telling and I, uh, I did go to um, Bondi markets or Paddington markets in Sydney when I was about 22 or 23 and a fortune teller told me that um, I was going to have three children and I was going to have a wonderful relationship with the Gemini, which is my, my husband. Uh, he's a Gemini and he's a wonderful guy. Uh, and that I was going to have my own business uh, and it was going to be successful. And I got that fortune and I wrote all of that down and I forgot about it. 
And I moved overseas and almost 20 years later, I found those notes and I read them and I went, oh, wow, she, she was bang on. She got it right. So, yeah, I definitely think it, it was my destiny and I think I'm lucky that, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, you make your own luck and mm-hmm. fortune fra- favours the bold and you do have to believe and want it and take action for good things to happen to you. Like I don't just, be- I don't believe really in manifesting without action. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really weird to read um, this fortune teller's uh, prediction 20 years later and it was all true. So, yeah, it was incredible. Well, lucky for you. The one I, I, I hope she does like virtual, <laughs> does it virtually now. If she does, I need that number uh, or at least that link because um, the one I saw in Korea, maybe it was because it was at like a theme park or something. So that's why that didn't exactly work out too well. She was completely off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like sometimes I get scared to see fortune tellers. Like I, I sometimes don't want to know, or I don't want it to affect my vision. Um, and yeah, a friend of mine just saw a fortune teller recently and said she was bang on. And she and I said, "How did you know?" And then she described her children's characters to me. That she said, "This is what the fortune teller said," and I'm like, "Oh, she is good." <laughs> but I still haven't gone to see her because I'm also like. I don't, I don't, I don't know whether I want to know. I, I like everything's pretty great at the minute. I don't want to. If there's something negative coming, I, I think I'll, I'd prefer it as a surprise. <laughs> mm. Well, that is true, right? Since you do um, like all the, the 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 new stuff that keeps coming, all that change. I I I I do like the idea of constant development, uh, constant growth. The constant change in a way it's it's you're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable that's mm-hmm. the that's the whole thing right and um you know when you look back, did you ever get intentional about the things that you needed to develop in your own skill sets and your own personal uh side of things to get to where you are today? yeah, that's a really great question um I think through my journey, I was forced to learn stuff uh, in a often well we always remember the hard bits don't you Mm -hmm. but um there were a lot of moments through my journey that were really hard and you know I, I think it kind of goes back to that reason why I really am passionate about Launchpad so you know when I, it's a very clear memory for me of when I had my third child, I didn't, I had about 20 staff and I didn't have anyone supporting me in finance or HR. So my baby was two weeks old and I was driving into the office to do payroll and a girlfriend rang me from Australia and she was ringing to, you know, how are you? Congratulations. Like this lovely, beautiful social call which I wanted to take. It was one of my best friends. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm driving into the office. And she said, why the heck are you driving into the office? You've got a two-week-old baby. You're nuts. And, you know, I totally agree with her, but I had not prepared myself or the company well enough to be able to really take a step back, um, even for a month. Um, And I, I, I underestimated you know, how tired I would be having a third baby. And um, anyway, so I I just broke into tears and I hung up on her (laughs) because I was like, oh, I can't explain it. I hung up, I pulled over, I was on the side of Bukatima Road and I just remember having a big cry going, this is so hard. And I rang my husband and he said, just come home. And I said, I can't because I've got to go and process payroll <laughs> because if people don't get paid, you know, like nothing will work. But, mm. you know, so I didn't have support or coaching or help um, just to help me think through how do you get those, those tasks, which I am not good at. I am not good at payroll. I am not good at finance. Like they're, they're very detailed orientated tasks. So I should not have been doing them in the first place. Um, well, you know, I suppose you have to do everything in the first place, but, mm-hmm. you know, I should have gotten um, 
uh, I should have been more confident with taking on the overhead and taking on support to be able to manage it better. But so I learned the hard way. And, you know, I think as I've grown up and gotten more experience now when I learn or when I see a gap, I, I reach out and get the help. And I, you know, I do that by actually talking to my community, talking to my business besties and saying, hey, I've got this challenge. I've got this thing. I'm thinking about doing ABC. What do you think? And it's just so much easier now um, because I have those people around me that I can bounce ideas off and I really trust their advice. But, yeah, yeah it, it was pretty lonely. I don't think I even had time to find a community. You know, like I had three small kids and, and a business that didn't have the right infrastructure. So it was hectic <laughs> wow. to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, when it comes to like sharing all these uh, stories of uh, bouncing ideas off people and all that, there's something I think for new entrepreneurs, especially, uh, or at least those who are a little bit more risk averse, they're very concerned about sharing ideas because they're afraid people will steal them. What do you yeah. think about that? Yeah, so I think that's I think that's common, but I think that's a real scarcity mindset, uh, and I think. Honestly, to be a good entrepreneur, you actually have to have an abundant mindset. You have to be positively charged in your approach. And I, I wonder if you're scared to share whether entrepreneurial is the right path for you. And, and you kind of need to do the work internally to, um, to determine on whether you can switch the flick, uh, switch the flick, yeah, flick the switch is what I want to say, <laughs> switch the flick, Sw uh, flick the switch in your mindset. And I, I, I've definitely been there. I've been in moments of scarcity thinking and I can totally relate, like uh, not so much about people stealing ideas but more about I've gone into like a negative spiral and I've I've needed to get some help to go, well, why are you thinking that? And, but logically, if you think about it, um, you know, your, your business track record or your ability or whatever it is, is it, it, it if you're a betting person, you would bet it's going to be successful, you know? So I definitely think um, that's a, there's a little bit, there's a lot of internal work you need to do to be um, a good entrepreneur. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. It's growth, right? Yeah, definitely is. You know, and um, I, I'd love to move into this particular question uh, where many people, you know, uh, wherever talks, conferences, and even memoirs, whatever you have, they always talk about, oh, what business tips you have, you know, how you became an entrepreneur. Um, I've always wanted to know uh, how does a business that you run and multiple businesses that people run, how has that changed you as a person to become better for yourself, become a better human being, parent, a, a partner, in fact? How has that changed you? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, so um, it's, it's changed me enormously. And, I, and you know, I think, I think there's kind of three different um, ways it's changed me. So I suppose on the base level, as a human being, um, I feel like I've been able to contribute positively to other people's lives by creating a company that's um, po a positive employer, supports women, supports parents, um, you know, has has environment and sustainability as something that we're and mental health and and sexual wellness and all these things that I'm I, I feel like could be better in the world. I've been able to use my business to create change and openness and and I suppose um, yeah, just have those whether it's for changes for my employees or changes for the readers. I'm really really 
proud and passionate about what, what we've been able to do with, at Honeycombers and at Launchpad. As a parent, I think what I love is that I have set an example to my children that women can be the breadwinner. So my husband doesn't work anymore and he's what we call Mr. Mum. Yeah, and it's fantastic because he's got a great quality of life. The kids have got a great quality of life because we've got only one parent working. It's actually a lot easier on everyone. Um, But it also shows to the kids that don't assume because you're a man, I've got two boys and a girl, or you're a boy that, you know, you're going to be the breadwinner or that, you know. So it has, um, I think, on a, on a, I suppose, a, uh, a social change that um, really mixing things up for them. And, yeah, I suppose I feel like, um, yeah, I think that they can see the possibilities and they, they're already um, entrepreneurially minded. So, you know, um, they've all got their own little businesses and I'm Ooh. really encouraging all of that. What yeah. are they doing? Tell me more. So my daughter who's 13 has a candle making business. Um, so she makes her own candles and sells them. And my two sons are in the business of breeding chickens. So they buy day-old chicks for um, about a dollar and they're in the process of breeding them up and selling them. I think they're going to sell them for $40 a chicken. So, that, so I mean, my husband's obviously helping them all with all of these projects, but, you know, um, this is ideas they've had and, and he's kind of steered them into things that would work. But, yeah, my daughter just bought herself an Apple Watch, which was $400, Um which was all from the profits of her cannel business. But, you know, three months after she bought it, she smashed it. So <laughs> she's back to square one. But, you know, it's all great lessons. And I, I, I'm, I like, I really love the ability to um, role model the fact that they can, they can do whatever they want if they want it. You know, it's there, it's there for them to go and get it. Your, your kids have the farmer genes in them, huh? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we live on a small farm, so it, it kind of that helps as well. But um, yeah, and, and the the guy who came up with the idea, my youngest guy, uh, he just loves animals. So looking after baby chicks was like a dream job for him. Um, the chickens are now almost full size. He's not as keen on them now, but <laughs> but yeah, he just loves animals. So that's kind of been a nice little. Uh, Man, I wonder what's next. There's going to be like llamas and alpacas and <laughs> all sorts of things are going to happen. Yeah, then from there, you'll yeah. you'll go into like textiles and trade. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm that going to go upstream eggs. further and further. And yeah, you're going to build yeah. your own like fashion empire after that. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, the, the big. It's the beginning of many things. The world does not need more fashion. This is one of the world's problems. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Now, uh, you know, I just want to go back to the point you made earlier on about creating your workplace culture. Mm. Uh, this is something that, uh, I mean, personally on, 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 on uh, the professional front of what we look into as well. Um, one of it is definitely developing a positive work culture. Basically, we don't want your workplace to suck, right? And people, you, and we want to make sure that people come into work on Monday feeling energized and happy to come to work. Right, yeah. uh, because yeah. disengaged employees don't don't give you much anyway, right? Unfortunately, yeah, they're only giving yeah. you fifty percent of what they could give you. Yeah. Um, so you you highlighted a couple of good practices, you know, about being mm-hmm. more inclusive, supporting women. Now, specifically in this area, what are maybe some of the the great practices that you've put in place or the team has put in place so that you know, all this can be supported and, and mums and women uh, can, can all feel so comfortable uh, working with you. Yeah, um, uh, well, I, I ha- we have a, fe- a flexible workplace, which is only something new for us. We used to be all in the office five days a week and now everyone's in the office two days a week. So that's really helpful for mums. Um, and we, we um, really support new mums. So I, I, I think I mentioned to you, you know, really proud of the fact that we've hired um, pregnant people or pregnant mums who are clearly going to have to take a significant break and also not know how long that break's going to be because 
you know, we don't have a strict, you must come back at X time. Because again, mm. I'm like, well, that doesn't really work. It's got to be at the right time for the employee. Otherwise, it, you know, it's it's not going to work. And and also, I suppose you never know what kind of baby you're going to have. Are you going to have a mm. sleeper? Or are you going to have a screamer? Or are you going to have one that just needs to be rocked constantly? And, I, you know, I've got three. I, I totally understand. Um so, um, and they were all different, you know, I've got a, I've got a screamer, I've got a one that needed to be rocked and, you know, they're all very challenging, um, especially in that, that around sleep for that first year. But yeah, so, um, there's some of our practices. We also have a practice where you can do calls without your camera on because you might be breastfeeding and that's totally okay. And, and celebrate it. Like, I'm so happy that we can have a workforce where people can multitask, you know, and and I suppose I want to be, and and I, I naturally did this with my own kids. I would come to work with my baby in the, the pram and I would be like, I'm really sorry, guys, I'm here for the meetings, but if I have to breastfeed, I have to breastfeed, you know, like I, I wasn't... Um, I wasn't willing to put the time in to pump milk to to make people not feel uncomfortable around something that I was doing that was completely natural. And we've Mm. come a long way. You know, this, again, it was my daughter's now 13. 13 years ago, people were a lot more uncomfortable about Mm. um, mum's breastfeeding. Um, So, yeah, I'm really proud of that. And I think also just trusting our employees more, like, you know, assuming the best as opposed to assuming the worst. And yeah. and it, it comes again from having a generous and kind approach and, and thinking of um, everyone as people as opposed to, you know, like <clears throat> worker bees or numbers on a page, you know, like understanding people's whole story. Um, I think it's really important and really, um, yeah, it's really valued. Um We've also introduced uh, mental health days, which we call doona days. Um, uh, doona, doonas in Australia are your like duvets or your, you know, your blankets. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we introduced this and we called it doona days. And a lot of people were like, I don't really understand it. I think it's a do nothing day. <laughs> and I'm like, perfect. It's a do nothing day. But yeah, they're, these days are like, um, days that you don't need to book in advance, you can literally just message at nine o'clock in the morning and say, I, I, I can't come today. I'm going to have to take a dinner day and no questions asked. And you are, you know, you're encouraged not to log on for that day, you know, to actually mm. take the day to recharge and yeah, kind of refresh yourself. And, and, you know, I suppose that, um, uh, not feeling like you're chained to your desk is important to me because that's the freedom I get from being an entrepreneur and I want my employees to enjoy that freedom as well. So yeah. another thing we have is a work from anywhere policy where you can work abroad um, and that allows people to go and do massive big adventures and and go to Europe for, you know, eight weeks or 12 weeks when you don't have to leave but just work from there um, and that's that's something that um, I would really love if I was an employee because I love travel. But, you know, it's something that we give to our employees once they've been with us a year as a reward to say, hey, thanks for the good work and we trust you. And if you want to work abroad, then let's talk about it. How's it going to look like and how's it going to work and what would you want? And they just love it so much. They call in from the ski fields in, you know, wherever, going, you won't believe it, I'm here. <laughs> like, and you're like, that's awesome. And they, it's so mutually beneficial because they love you even more and they're so more loyal and they're thinking about you as if, or your business as if it's their own business. So it's, it's a real win-win. So, yeah, they're just some of the things we've done that, yeah, has just made, I think, Honeycomb is a really great place to work. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that because it's 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 real, right? This whole thing about uh, it's nice when you get to do remote work or hybrid. You go into the office when you need to, and uh, but one of the things is that it, it it works both ways, right? There's one is that the the the, the I mean, of course, the boss of the company or the owner of the company has to be has to walk that talk and truly convey that understanding across. Right, rather than have that thought of going, oh, is that person really working? 
Uh, you know, is it uh this person's calling sick or this person's yeah. taking a doing a day and it's like we he know he or she knows there's a meeting today and want to take it, right? Yeah. So there's this there are certain people with that well, skeptical or neg well, I would say inflexible mindset. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, remote work for the the employee, it's so difficult to unplug yourself. Yeah. You know, even when there are days for myself when I, I know, I, I mean, I'm moving around a little bit, I work from anywhere. It's so difficult. Sometimes I wake up at three in the morning, I just go, oh, shoot, I haven't done that thing. Right. So yeah. I'm always plugged in, which is a very uh, a scary thing. And I can't imagine um, how you actually ar arrange dialogues around this to create that sense of security and safety for yeah. your teams. How do you do that? Yeah, I think it comes down to um, having a real, uh, I suppose, trust and respect at, at, at the heart of the relationship you want to have with your team members. And, and I, you know, this hasn't happened overnight for us. We used to have a general manager who used to say to me, I'm really, I'm really upset because the team is always in 15 minutes late. And I mean, like, I'm like, well, I don't really care. But it upset him because it was disrespectful or, or it wasn't, you know, he wanted people to be in on time. And, and I was like, I, I think you're fighting the wrong battles. You know, let's measure people on performance and output mm. rather than on whether they're at the desk at nine o'clock, you know. But you, you, we're lucky now because we've learnt those lessons and my leadership team at Honeycombers all share these values, which are, it's really hard to get everyone in sync on what do we appreciate and what do we value as a company. And so it's not just from me, it's more from them and how they treat their team members. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I suppose, about creating that work culture and, and people understanding that it is important, you know, like um, how people feel about, and, and I keep coming back to the word trust, you know, you trust that people are good people and they're working hard. You don't, you don't need to use what time did they start to measure their output. You need to measure their output on their actual results or their, you know, their content. And then you celebrate that and you, you know, you continue to have ways that make you celebrate that, you know. So we have um, meetings. We have a meeting once a month where we celebrate everyone's wins and everyone has to nominate three other people um, in the company that they want to celebrate and, and why they want to celebrate them. And so we do that. And it's a, it's a structure that helps us foster this, this culture. I love the celebration culture because it, it's the recognition. That's the mm -hmm. one thing. Secondly, it really gets to, it allows each colleague to get to know each other better. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it makes you dig a little deeper to figure out what you want, what you like, what this person, you know, how, and how you communicate that, you know, how yeah. an extrovert communicates with an introvert and likewise and, and vice versa is completely, uh, it's a different thing. And learning those little things will make life so much better in a place where you spend most of your time seeing each other. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, um, I mean, before we move on to the final segment, I think of the podcast, uh, is there anything that uh, we can look forward to uh, in either Honeycombers or Launchpad or any of the other uh, ent business entities that uh, you, you, you run? <laughs> Gosh, you're so busy. That my, that my spaghetti mind has, has thrown up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Meatballs. Where are they? Meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, so, well, um, the big new thing, the shiny new thing I'm working on at the minute is a podcast for Launchpad, which I'm nice. going to host. Yeah. So that's exciting. We're planning to go live um, first week of January and the podcast will be me interviewing um, other entrepreneurs that have um, uh, sustainability or conscious business practices or social impact as the, at their core of what they they're in business for so really focusing on business for good 
Right. And are these all going to be within your Launchpad community? No, um, no, they're going to be outside the Launchpad community, I think. I mean, there'll be some, but I, I, yeah, put together a list of people that I'd love to have a conversation with. And really, I suppose the goal of the Launchpad podcast is a little bit selfish because it's um, personal development for myself. Like it's spending an hour with someone that I don't normally get access to, to learn from them. But then obviously the, you know, the secondary goal is to share those learnings with, with our community and, and the wider entrepreneurial community that wants to learn from these people that are wildly successful. Absolutely. It's the exact same thing of what we're doing right here. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a really effective way to level up, huh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Look, we're, you, we're into 50 plus episodes now and there's, Every lesson, even uh, one one thing that I've I've always noticed, right, from all these chats that I've had with with all our guests, is that entrepreneurial stories are always similar but never the same. Mm. The lessons are also similar but never the same. It's it's so nuanced, and when you look at it, both on the history of the person, the background, the um, the culture that this person comes from begin to understand oh that's why these things happen and yeah. where were the key motivators what was demotivating to that person and it makes so much sense uh, and and it's amazing to see and again it's like what you said the second point is very self-serving because yeah. i want to learn <laughs> you know i just want to learn uh, it's, it's great and i really appreciate all those things that you're sharing especially providing uh, me with and, and all those who are listening, especially uh, with a greater understanding of a more inclusive space, of creating an mm. inclusive space, um, understanding the little needs that we overlook, uh, it, it, like for moms, for, for women, for ladies in the workforce. And these are things that I think, e even though it's written, it's hard to understand. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. And the and the other minority group that I think we've been really um, able to support is um, the the gay community or the I always get the acronym wrong the LGBTQ. I got it right. Um, uh, plus, I think there's plus. IA now if I'm not wrong. Yeah. So I don't we, know. we we have a lot. Uh, we have a, a a really diverse workforce at Honeycombers, and some of we just did a staff survey, and some some of them said, "I just feel safe to be myself here," and I'm like, "Oh, that's everything to me." Like I'm I'm so happy because I think that's just everything you'd want to create in a workforce. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's not just women. It's it's for diversity and inclusiveness and yeah. i think sadly there's not enough of it in um in singapore and we actually uh have a have a content pillar all around um lgbtq that's why I plus i shouldn't be able to say the acronym and we actually had an advertiser pull out of a contract because um they discovered that this was one of our pillars of content or maybe it was sexual wellness one of those two um and you know i was like wow um, that's very shocking that people wouldn't want to be around a community that, but that's okay. You know, like, um, that's okay. They are yeah. um, happy not to take their money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, we, this is what we do, what we yeah. believe in. You do you. We'll yeah, just you do, do you. our thing. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. perfectly fine. No, yeah. I, I, get, I completely get you, what you mean because um, diversity is easy. Inclusivity mm. is the tough one. And the fact that, that you receive that feedback. I mean, it's heartwarming, mm. uh, absolutely heartfelt because, again, inclusivity is all about some an individual being to bring their unique self to work and feel comfortable safe. and safe yeah. to express yeah. themselves completely. You know, there was this, uh, there was a beautiful story of uh, somebody who, I, I, this was a case study or it was, it was reported in the US. Uh, I can't remember what exactly or who it was, but it's wonderful because this person was actually uh, a, a male um, and at night he would be in drag and he was one oh. of the most popular drag artists out there. And in the daytime, nobody knew. It was like a superhero. It was like Batman, right? You don't yeah. know he's Bruce Wayne and at night he's Batman. <laughs> but in this case, I well, could have been anybody else, right? 
So what happened was that the colleagues uh, found out and they shared it within the office for his to his horror. He was scared because he thought yeah. he was going to lose his job. Yeah. His company wouldn't, whatever. All of a sudden, people were embracing him, telling him yeah. this, you know, it's a great show and everything. And the company celebrates it. And now oh. he's so comfortable to be able to do that. And he even hosts the, like D&Ds and stuff like that, right? Uh, in drag. Yeah, so he's right. completely comfortable in his, own, wow. in his own skin. And that's wonderful, right? Yeah, isn't it great to see this change? Like, you know, that's what I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about the fact that the next generation are just, they're really not accepting the status quo, you know, and I feel like there's a big wave of change coming and I'm I'm really excited about the new world that we're creating that um, is inclusive and it is focused on, you know, the problems we have with the planet and the environment and yeah i just i think i can't wait until we've got all these young people voting you know <laughs> mm. so yeah it's 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 the change is exciting yeah no, as as long as the the oh man my man don't even get me started i'm so concerned about that because of um the the attention spans uh mm. and I, I think it's going to be quite polarizing Mm. Uh, the the further that we go uh, when it comes to this because I mean this is just my point of view uh, it doesn't you know uh, we can all agree to disagree uh, for, for sure my, my biggest concern is that with technology and the internet youth the, the younger generation they're going to be so fast so smart so uh, resourceful in getting their information mm. the only challenge is that with such a broad range uh, our, my concern is the depth how deep will they go into these these things? So, which means that you can hear about a lot of things. Uh, the discernment then comes in. And if that skill is not honed and mm. the ability to go deeper into the topic, this is where they could get hoodwinked real quick. Mm. Which is why you need to have hour-long podcasts where you go deep. Yes. Thank you very much. I hope that this actually makes it. So naturally, I'm not on TikTok because yeah. this would never fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't understand that platform. So this is a definitely a conversation we'll need to have for another day. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even doing YouTube shorts. Nothing. It's just put it out there, uh, barely edited, and go. Anyway, this this is what uh, I, I hear Gen Z actually wants. Uh, yeah. Not, not the hour long, but just the very raw stuff. I, I've seen some of the, uh, the pieces that they, I mean, in terms of music, in terms of production, even the music videos. Yeah. I'm like, good Lord, this is like gaudier than the 80s i'm like this is so weird it's so weird <laughs> yes yes um i totally agree I, I i i especially the fashion it is just it's like the uglier the better um yes but no, it's coming I, back I, though uh, i remember mm. now now i'm seeing it in singapore it's crop tops bell bottoms you know like like straight cut jeans yeah I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that i'm seeing a lot more navels now without the rings <laughs> But back then it was grungy, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, navel rings, piercings, everything. Now it's different. Man, I I'm getting. I feel old. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely your genre. I mean, I feel like I'm the only person I know, and where I live, it's a very um surfy hippie area. But I don't have a tattoo, and and it's like I don't I don't think I've seen anyone in the last I don't know month who doesn't have a tattoo. <laughs> you know, like it's just. The ink, like it looks great, but it's not for me, you know. And uh, it's not for everyone. No, you know, so... but it's ink and the piercings too. Yeah, lots of piercings. But yeah. um, I mean, I, I I do love um, I do love how expressive people can be with yeah. the way they look now, you know. And I feel like there's, yeah, yeah, it it's it's very creative. So I'm I'm all for that. Um, yeah, but I I, 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 I yeah I still do see a whole group of teenagers all dressed the same. So, you know, that sense of, you know, wanting to fit in so you disappear into the background. I suppose as a teenager, that's still very much there. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's Yeah, absolutely. It's it's finding their identity. Eventually, they'll carve out their niche yeah. and they'll be able to stand out. No, not everybody wants to have, you know, if everybody has, let's say, brown hair and one person stick, sticks out with uh, purple hair, you know, or fire red, you're like, hey, okay, that's a little different. Yeah, but uh, yeah. some it's like what you said is expression uh, expressiveness, and I love that. Um, mm. The 
as long as we are in, I, I feel it's very important for us to be in a setting whereby it's very respectful to say things in and and in the sense that I respect your expressiveness, your ex, your ability to express yourself and show that. At the same time, uh, please also understand that this is through in my world. This is not something that I am used to, and I would never be able to do this to myself. To yeah. do this for myself, yeah. So it's that kind of thing. If not, there's this whole "I'm offending you," "You're offending yeah. me," "I want to cancel yeah. you." I'm like, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy no, stuff. Totally. Okay, one last segment that we always do on the podcast, right? Which is the ten questions or the epic questionnaire. Uh, it's a rapid fire session okay. of ten questions. Are you ready, Chris? I am ready. Okay, great. Now here comes the epic questionnaire with Chris Edwards. First question: One word. That you love the most. Oh, um, wild. Wild. Uh, one word that you strongly dislike. No. <laughs> if you could have a conversation with anybody, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional, who would that be? Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, okay. What do you say to yourself in the mirror every morning? You're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> we need moisturizer yeah 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 <laughs> all right uh if you could have a superpower any superpower what would it be oh, reading people's minds mm, interesting what's your favorite dish to eat oh wow um oysters and favorite travel spot or the next travel spot that you want to go to look i love positano in italy one of my favorites. I love travel. Um, we're off to Japan skiing in January. I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, Italy is my my country of um, yeah. It's just um, I love it, love it, love it. Lots of happy memories, and I would love to go every year if I could afford it. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Um, all right, something in the arts that you've always wanted to do but yet to do so. Oh, something in the arts. Um, I think I would like to um, spend more time painting. Um, I've done a couple of courses in painting, but I don't spend any time on it at the minute and I really enjoy it. Pottery, I really enjoy pottery. Um, yeah, I think just, ha just having more time for uh, creative arts in my life would be great. Mm, very interesting. Okay, and what does retirement look like to you? I think it probably doesn't look um, too different to working life. Yeah. I mean, maybe a few less hours and a few less new new projects. But uh, I don't think I really ever want to stop working. I, I think I enjoy it too much. I did have a sabbatical, actually. I had a, I had a five-year um, sabbatical from running my business. I employed Ooh. a general manager to run it. Um, uh, when I had my three kids were all really young and I don't enjoy not working. <laughs> I very, prefer working. Mm. That's very interesting mm. because you're doing what you love. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. Last question. How do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? Oh, wow. Um, how do I want to be remembered? I... I hope that I inspire other people to pursue their passion, follow their dreams, and um, yeah, I want I want to be remembered for um, being a generously spirited person. I think is what I would, uh, and I also have a significant laugh, which lots of people re remember me by. <laughs> so often I'll be somewhere and someone will go, "Oh, I can hear Chris." <laughs> and I actually. <laughs> think it's quite wonderful that people can recognize my laugh from afar so a joyful person i suppose that's wonderful and that is the epic questionnaire thanks again chris for playing along uh with this and joining us for the podcast um how can anybody reach out to you if let's say for example they want to um read up more in honeycombers uh join launchpad for example or just connect with you um, yeah, so connect with me on Instagram. Um, my handle, I should know this. I'm pretty sure it's 
uh, Chris underscore Edwards uh, underscore AU. Um, but you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Chris Edwards Honeycombers on LinkedIn. Um, you can check out the launchpad. It's the launchpad.group. Um, but yeah, DM me and say, um, listen to the podcast. Um, want to come along to Launchpad. We've got uh, events happening all the time. We've got one tomorrow, um, a masterclass. We do masterclasses every week, nearly every week. Um, but, yeah, and we welcome non-members to come. So come and we also do um, what we call ask parties once a month, which is an in-person event. So there's lots of ways for you to come in and dip your toe and see if you gel with the community. Um, but, yeah, really, yeah, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for your tribe, definitely come and check us out. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Chris. Now, for everybody, again, uh, go check her out. Uh, find her on LinkedIn, Instagram. Go to the websites on Launchpad. Just Google it. She's good at SEO, Honeycombers Launchpad. <laughs> all that. Okay, you're going to find it. Okay, so <laughs> with that, yeah, that's the end of uh, this episode of Edric Podin Company, the podcast where anybody can inspire everybody. Okay, with that, we're out. Thanks a lot, Chris. Oh, Edric, absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed that. Um, absolute joy. Lots and lots of fun. Thank you so much. You have a great day, yeah? Thank you. You too.